Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. I started realizing that YouTube was saturated. There were so many creators that had been going for so long. Then here you have Instagram, 15 second videos, not a lot of content creators on there. You can get seen. So I remember when I started posting on Instagram, funny videos, they're like, whoa, who's this chick? Started getting more views, started getting more likes, follows, comments. So I kind of went where the love was. And so I leaned away from YouTube and onto Instagram. Six months in to posting daily, um, I got my first viral video. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. So glad to have you here. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're old to the podcast, thank you so much for coming back again and again and your support and subscribing and passing it on and talking about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Twitter or Instagram or at barrycats.com and I'll be glad to get back to you as soon as I can. Just bear with me. A lot of people reach out and I will do the best I can. And I'm very, very excited about today's episode. This episode is dedicated to a different breed of entertainment, a different breed of artist. It's dedicated to the artist that has tried traditional methods to get where they want to go and to drive their talent to the next level. But for some reason in their life or the trajectory of how it was or is, they weren't able to move the needle through working for the man. So they created opportunities where they were the man, or in this case, the woman. And I'm talking about Laura Cleary. And so without further ado, let me introduce her. So here we go. Laura Cleary moved to Los Angeles from Downers Grove, Illinois, when she was 17 years old to pursue a career in acting. 
Though she has made her name in digital media, she started in traditional media, where she began acting in commercials and sitcoms, and was a full-time actress. Even though she did over 40 episodes of MTV's hit show Disaster Date and several series guest stars and pilots, her whole life was auditioning and it felt like she had no control or power over her career and was feeling very creatively frustrated until she finally said, enough, I'm going to start creating my own content. She told her agents to stop sending her out and she spent the whole year creating. She didn't get paid anything and lived off savings and basically said to herself, I'm going to post a video every day for a year which she did, and that's how she grew so fast and became the success story that you're going to hear about today. With some ingenuity and plenty of consistency, she found a loyal and engaged following of over 5 million users on Facebook. She now has two shows on Facebook Premium and is writing a book this year. The Laura Cleary podcast launched the first week of January in 2018 with her husband of seven years as the co-host. The podcast, not surprisingly, has taken off like a rocket ship and has evolved into a more interview-style show with other digital stars as well as more traditional names in entertainment like Perez Hilton, Jeanette McCurdy, and Moby. Her mission when she started... And it's the same today as to make millions of people laugh around the world on a consistent basis. And that's it. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat have effectively allowed her to do that to the highest levels. More importantly than anything I've just mentioned, and not coincidentally, Laura has been clean and sober for the last seven years. And obviously, this has played a huge part in her success and happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest today. Truly one of the most inspirational stories you'll ever hear. Please welcome Laura Cleary. Hello. So good to see you. I haven't seen you in how long? Man, well, six, five. I don't know. I'm terrible with time. I think a lot of people on this podcast don't really know your story and how it came about and what went down. I'm sure your audience does know, but my audience here doesn't know. So if you don't mind, if you could pretend you're telling the story for the very first time, take our audience through, let's say three months to a month before you had any thought process of doing what you're doing now what were you doing what were the good things that were happening the bad things that were happening and what inspired you to make an adjustment and a full-fledged change in your approach to the entertainment business um i kind of wound up doing what i'm doing out of creative frustration, really. It was like I was, I moved out to LA when I was 17 years old. I was sleeping on couches, that whole thing. And um, I got to a point where I could make a living just barely. 
um, doing commercials, a lot of commercials. Thank God for commercials. And the odd sitcom, guest star, indie film, that type of thing. But my whole life was auditioning. And oftentimes I would read the script and I would be rewriting it or saying, oh, I would have done it like this or I, you know. So I think I always had that in me that I wanted to create my own content. But anyhow, um, as, as anyone knows, the life of an actor, it's like mostly rejection. It really is. And that's all I did. And, um, I started seeing online, I started seeing these content creators, these influencers, uh, making these little sketches on their phones. And, you know, for me, I always had a million excuses of why I couldn't shoot a short film. I think I had given you a million of them too. And, uh, what Laura's <laughs> alluding to is that we worked together for a little bit of time when yeah. I was at my other company. Yes. And I think you had, you had said, you have an idea, just make it, Laura. Like you, I remember you, you told me that and I, well, I don't have a DP and I don't have lighting and I don't have a budget and I don't, you know, just do it, you know, just do it. I think I had some fucking stupid idea. Barry, I want, I, I have 173 characters I want to try out. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not even a joke. I had some weird concept called product of a sperm donor where I thought, um, wouldn't it be funny if there's a guy who's just like donating his sperm all over and like making all this money and then I play all the products that like all of his children and so like I could do all of these characters from all over the world. And, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but not like 15 characters or seven, but like a hundred. I was like, I'm going to do 173. Like that's just insane. Anyway, I'm getting off track. So I started seeing all these creators online. Who were three creators that you saw that yeah. inspired you? Okay, like uh, King Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, who was another one? Um, Liza Koshy. Um, uh, man, there's so many. Lele Pons. Um, these are all like YouTubers, Viners. Oh, Brittany Ferland, Manon Matthews. Um, just and and it's funny it's Simone Shepard like all of these women especially it's funny because I've had them all on the podcast and um, they all had very similar stories to me of like I came out to be an actress and you know I was reject rejection 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 and then I found this thing called Vine I started making these six second videos and then my follower count grew and then I started getting brand deals and I just had to talk about Pringles in one of my videos and I got twenty thousand dollars and then I just kept going and going and I had all this creative um, control so it was like incredible for me so. You're having these conversations or maybe you're hearing interviews of them. You're not calling them. I'm seeing them online. Uh, So they're stories. Yeah. So as you're looking at that, I think it's important for the audience to know what was the greatest success you achieved as an actress in terms of booking? Did you ever have a situation where you booked two things in a row or two things in five auditions. What was your greatest run of success in terms of booking and how many auditions? And then what was your greatest run of failure of auditions without booking anything? I would say like my greatest, uh, one of the greatest moments that I had when I was traditionally acting was I auditioned for a uh, co-star role on a sitcom, literally three lines to play the, uh, the stoner best friend. 
And um, I had done a lot of research on that role. <laughs> and um, and I went in and I booked it. And I was like hesitant about doing this. Oh, it's three lines. Like, this is stupid. Like, I'm nobody, okay? I could barely pay rent, but ugh, I'm better than three lines. Like, do you know who I think I am, you know? And uh, so I go, I book the role. And then we go to the table read. It's a Fox sitcom called Till Death. You probably haven't heard of it. You have. With Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett and Jolie Fisher. So I do the table read. And I do my three lines that I worked really hard on. And everyone's really cracking up at those three lines. And then after the um, table read, this is like two days before we start filming, um, the casting director, Susan Bass, comes up to me and she goes... Great casting director. Yeah. She goes, hey, Laura, um, they want you to read for the role of the daughter, of Brad and Jolie's daughter. Because it was the start of season two. They hadn't yet introduced this new daughter. And I'm just like... And I auditioned to play the daughter's stoner best friend with three lines. So when you were at the table read, right? Was there a woman who'd already been hired as the daughter? Yes, was at the correct, table read? Correct. So they wanted to fire. So Susan her. whispered this. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like right after the table read, she came up to me and said, "They want you to read, yeah, for the role of daughter." So yes, there was an actress there who was cast as the daughter. They weren't really laughing at her lines, and I was just so shocked. I said, "Is it because I'm tall?" You know, like that's the first thing I was like, it's got to be because I'm tall because Brad Garrett's like six foot seven. And, you know, uh, what the fuck is happening? And uh, they said, you know, the the executives are not happy with uh, her performance and they think you're really funny. And so here's the script. Um, Be on stage seven in 20 minutes. You're going to do the um, scene with Brad and Jolie. They'll be there. So they gave you only 20 minutes to prepare a scene. Something like that. But this is pretty cool. So because I had never done a sitcom before, I was really excited about just the the process of how all of it worked. I'd never done a multicam. So I was sitting in the audience during rehearsals and I was watching Brad and Jolie with the daughter character and I was watching those scenes. And again, I was like, I would have done it like this. Or I was just really studying how they were doing it and they were blocking the scene and they were rehearsing and I was just there watching them. Now, did the casting director, Susan Vash, take you aside and say, they want you to do that stoner character for the daughter or they want you to do a different character for the daughter. They did not even specify like, cause it wasn't like I was like, yo, gnarly man. Like I wasn't, you know, it was like a little subtle, you know, I think it was alluded to the fact that she was stoned, but I don't even think I talked about weed in the, in the script. So no, she didn't specify like do the same character or different. It was just like, I assume it was do what you're doing, but do it for the daughter. But she didn't specify. So I go in 20 minutes or so, and I do the scene. Obviously, they sequester the girl who is playing the daughter out the door. That's right. And they have like 20 angry producers and execs standing there like, you know, just arms crossed. Like the show's, you know, in two days or the next day, I can't remember. But it was like, and they don't have their one of their main characters. So they're freaking out. So I do it. And then she comes up to me and I felt good about it. And then she comes up to me, I don't know, half an hour later and says, okay, you got the part. (laughs) So I went from, you know, this three, 
three line co-star to, I think at that time it was a, a, a not series regular, but a what do you recurring. Call it? recurring guest star, which was huge. It was like a big step. And then it was, I was so excited and did the, the show, went really well. It was fun, got big laughs. I'm just like, yes. How'd you play the character? I was not like, this is who this person, I, it was really an extension of me, which I think was also the stoner character. Like people think I'm high all the time. <laughs> Still, I'm not. But I just was myself. I was just doing what I thought was funny, but it, I didn't really have time to like develop and create a whole character for it. You know, it's you do an inflection that's funny and you go up with your voice and down with your voice and you just, you know, do the thing that makes people laugh. That was it. And so you get there for the taping of the show yeah. and that was a multicam show, yes. which means it was a live audience. Yes. You're used to doing shows in little dingy places yeah. in front of live audiences because you did a little few little things here and there, some sketch Sure, stuff. little sketch shows yeah. and stuff. And so you know how to get the laughs. Yeah. And so what did Brad or Jolie say to you after the first show? They were, I remember they were really impressed and it was like they had, they felt like they had found this, you know, funny daughter, unique girl. Like they seemed genuinely, you know, happy with the way things went. And, and how many episodes did you do of that so, season? Well, so get this. So then, so I'm so fucking high on just this amazing thing that happened. And oh my God, and my sister's there. And I think my boyfriend at the time came. And anyway, I get in my car and I'm driving out of the Sony lot. And this like big white Escalade pulls up next to me. And she's like, excuse me. Um, I'm an agent uh, at APA. We'd love to represent you. We think you're amazing. And throws her card into my car. And uh, it was just like one of those moments because I didn't have an agent, you know, like I didn't even have an agent. I had a manager at the time who was living with his mom in like a studio apartment and would literally call me like, Laura, like you really got to book this role. Like I mean, I've got my rent coming. Like you really, you can do this. You know, like seriously putting pressure on me to fucking eat. Anyway, so that was my situation. So it's just the whole thing was crazy. Like the, the big agent coming and throwing her card in my car and all of that. But yes, so I did seven episodes of the show. Out of 13. Um. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was... Not only did they fire me at seven episodes for no clear reason, okay? They fired 23 writers, the showrunner. You know who else did that season? J.B. Smoove. There's no reason to ever fire J.B. Smoove. He's so hysterical. The show was tanking. It wasn't doing well. So they thought their whole theory, I believe, was let's get rid of everyone and start again. But how do you get rid of everybody in the beginning, in the middle of the season? I don't know. And of course, the show didn't do better after that. And get this, after after they let me go, they got another daughter, which would be the third daughter. Okay, so actually, season one was Christian Ritter. They fired her after four episodes, I think. Then they hired a second chick who didn't even make it. Or 
All right. I don't, I don't know exactly how many episodes. It's all sort of a blur, but it was Kristen Ritter was the first daughter. Then there was a second. She didn't even make it on the air. She got fired from the table read. I took over. I was the third. I lasted seven. Then um, they they got the chick from uh, Garfunkel and Oates. Is that it? The dark hair Kate Micucci. Her, I think. Yeah. She was one of the daughters. I think she lasted maybe six or five. Then they got another one. Then they got another one. I think they had about six daughters in just a couple of seasons okay so perhaps maybe it's not the daughter <laughs> you know like perhaps it's not the the actor maybe it's the maybe it's the writing i don't know like you know the, a lot of the lines were like oh dad what are you doing you know what i mean that there wasn't really a defined character there and that could have been a, a problem no no actor was able to do it but um Yes. So So the seven episodes, yeah. those were your greatest successes. How many auditions did you go through without booking a job, which was your longest drought? Oh, and then what was your time where you're like, holy shit, I'm a booking machine. I wow. booked this one today. I booked this one. Yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you because I don't remember what happened last week even. Um, I truly don't know how long... I. Because I was always booking commercials and then I would go, let's see. Okay. So after the sitcom, then I got an MTV show and I did like 30 episodes of that. That was Disaster Date. Yeah. Do you of remember course. that? That's... And I loved that. And I was now with APA and they, um, yeah, I did like 30 episodes of that and I loved it. It was like m much less pay, but I didn't care because it was so much fun and I got to do characters and improv and I loved that that like hidden camera. I loved the danger of it. I loved the adrenaline. I really thrive on that. I especially did before. I'm a little more chill now, but um, I loved just the, the danger of like not being able to call cut. And for those of you who don't know, it's a show where a guy thinks he's going on a blind date and really it's me, the actress, making it the worst day possible. And I'm not big on like mean-spirited humor. I, I always told the producers like, I'm the idiot, not them. Let let it be the worst date because I'm horrible. You know, it's not necessarily like roasting this guy, but it's about me and, you know, making me the worst. Which date, date. was your most memorable where you were the craziest <laughs> um, and the holy shit moments ensued? Oh, um, there was one, well, there was one date where I fucked up, where um, I played a bad life coach and I told... And I was just giving him the worst advice ever. And uh, I told the producers to call me like halfway through the date. And I picked up the phone and I think I had told him my name was Stephanie or something. And I pick up the phone. I said, believe it and achieve it. This is Laura. But I had already said my name is Stephanie. So this guy thinks my name is Stephanie. I said, believe it and achieve it. Uh, this is Laura. And there was just this moment where we sort of looked at each other. And I was like, shit, did I just mess up this episode because if you mess it up like it's non-airable you can't you know if he finds out that you're an actor and that this isn't real like they can't use the footage so um I just paused for a second and then I was like you know Laura is my middle name you know I like to go by that like some just horrible excuse but he bought it so I remember that um I played one where I was like a pill popper and I was just taking pills throughout the episode, um, all these different pills. I had like six different prescription bottles on the table. I like put up, put a helmet on halfway through because I told him one of them makes me drowsy. So I just have this on just in case. He's like, okay. And then I think I, I had passed out. Uh, 
uh, towards the end, obviously faking it. And he freaked out so hard. He grabbed his water. He started pouring ice water all over me to try and wake me up. That was really fun. I played an Australian primatologist. Um, I don't know why I decided to do that, but I did. And I was like walking around like an ape. Ape. Um, that was fun. How many dates did you go on on the show? Um, over 30, maybe 40. Let's say 40 dates. And how yeah. many of the 40 guys still wanted to sleep with you? After? Oh, a good amount. <laughs> like I had guys after coming up to me like, hey, like I know this was, you know, a show, but like, what are you doing later? I was like, how do you want? I'm going to be walking like an ape practicing for my next date. I couldn't believe, but I guess they just, you know, they just have that one track mind, I guess. And just, it was like, they just were willing to, 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 to look past the crazy. Uh, another crazy weird story is I was living with my uh, best friend at the time and he went to his nine to five job and. You know, I I leave the house in the morning to get a coffee or something and forgot my keys. So I'm locked out all day. I said, okay, I'll just wait till 5 p.m. for him to get home so I can get back in the apartment. What am I going to do until then? I think I'll go to uh, Kings Road Cafe on Beverly and I'll drink way too much coffee and talk to strangers. That's what I wanted to do. So I went... I walked to the cafe and I was like, who am I going to talk to? And I see this like 82 year old guy and I was like, yeah, he probably has some good stories. So I start talking to this old man and he's telling me about his time in war and fucking just, uh, I'm getting all these great stories from him and it's wonderful. And then he leaves after two hours and I'm um, looking around, who's my next victim? <laughs> and then I see this guy and he's sitting there by himself and he looks familiar. He really does. So I thought, okay, I got to go see where I know this guy. So I go up to him. I said, hey, I said, you look really familiar. And then I sit down. I just sit down at the table. Like he doesn't invite me to sit down. I just sat down. You just sit down. Yeah. I sat down. I said, you look so familiar. I said, God, where do I know you from? And he's like, um, I don't, I I don't, I'm not sure. And I was like, sorry, are you meeting someone here? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, right. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I get up and I, you know, walk away. I forget about it. 5 p.m. rolls around. I'm back in the house. And, um. Anyway, about a month later, I'm in my car and I get a phone call from a number I don't know. Pick up the phone. Hello. He says, Laura? I said, yeah. He goes, hey, it's Peter. I said, Peter? He goes, yeah. He goes, I met you at King's Road Cafe. He goes, you remember you just sat at my table and you started talking at me? He goes, you said I looked familiar. I said, yeah. I said, how did you get my number? And he goes, well, I realized why... You thought I looked familiar. I know your sister's fiance. I'm friends with Greg. That's how I know you. I said, oh, that makes sense. I've probably seen you out. And he said, yeah. He goes, anyway, um, I'm, I'm directing this AMC show and there's a role uh, of a crazy actress and I think <laughs> you'd be absolutely perfect. <laughs> he goes, will you come in tomorrow and read for it? <laughs> crazy fate yeah 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 a fucking crazy actress and i think you'd be perfect i was like oh awesome i would be i'm crazy um so i go downtown and i read for this role cornelia it's starring adam goldberg and um jeffrey tambor 
and it's AMC's first web series and great cast, really, really great script. And I, this woman, this character, Cornelia, is just a loose cannon and I got to completely lose it and it was awesome. And I booked that and so... I did three of those and the show never went, but it was just such an awesome experience. I remember my scene with Jeffrey Tambar. He was so fucking funny. I just couldn't stop laughing. I just broke. I was supposed to be crying in the scene and I was just laughing because he's so hysterical, but I kind of just faked the laugh into tears. So I got (laughs) away with it. But, and then like this director did a indie film with Jason Bateman calls me from New York, Laura, um, I have this dumb model role. You'd be great. <laughs> like, yes, God, I would be great. I would be great. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I'm lanky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so he thinks I'm dumb and crazy, but at least attractive. Um, so I fly to New York. He goes, one condition. He goes, it's an indie film, so you have to fly yourself out and uh, put yourself up. But you're out here for two months if you want the role. So I was like, absolutely, Yes. So I was broke at the time, um, just went through my money, was not good at saving. I borrowed money from my sister, my boyfriend, fucking looked on Facebook. Who do I know that lives in New York? Who could I could just stay with? Because they weren't going to put me up. Who would well, you stay with? I stayed with this girl I went to high school with. I hadn't talked to her since high school. I was like, hey, Kelly, um, <laughs> I got this movie role. Do you mind if I stay with you? She was like, uh, yeah, sure. I walk up six flights of stairs to this tiny, dingy-ass 500-square-foot studio with one queen-size bed. So now I'm in bed with this girl that I haven't talked to in, you know, seven years or six years. You know, I stayed a couple other places. It was just insane but yeah but so you brought her on the movie set and she was happy. i didn't actually that's terrible that is terrible I just, you're not invited no i didn't actually think she had a job she you know but things that. are going well so no. why do you decide to do what you're doing now if you're doing it well look they're great when they're going but like you were asking me and i couldn't give you a damn answer how long between these roles maybe six months in between booking the pilot and booking the series and booking the movie. But you also worked on what a pilot. What do I do in those six months? But you work with Don Johnson and Ellen Barkin. Yes, yes. So you're working with great That's, people. But that didn't get picked up. So what? Um, he emailed me this long email, Don Johnson, after the pilot. And it was so nice. He's like, you changed the size and scope of the project and blah, blah, blah. I remember I was so nervous I just didn't email him back because I was too nervous. Isn't that stupid? I just never emailed him back because I was nervous about what to say. To this day, you've never? Never. I should do it. I'm going to email him tomorrow. You have It's to. been like eight years. Um, I was just nervous. And, you know. and that was a show that Michael Patrick King created yes. from Sex and the City and Two Broke Girls. That's right. That's right. And then I did Two Broke Girls after that. I know. So you're doing it. You're making it happen. Yes, but, and I was, um, but it was like, you know, I had, like I said before, I didn't have a lot of creative control. Um, I would write scripts and things like that and they could never, I could never get them made. Um, I had, I was just uh, powerless. Acting is a pretty damn powerless uh profession you're just waiting for that director to hire you 
and to write that role for you. That's a pretty powerless place to be. And I have a lot of actor friends who are really good at it. They're just like, I just go into the room and I have fun. And then I leave, I throw my sides out and uh, I go, you know, go hang out with my friends and I'm fine. I was not that way. I was completely neurotic. Every role that I, every side, you know, side or uh, script I would get, it was like, this is it. This is my one. This is the role. This is going to be the next friends and this is going to be it. And if I didn't hear back, I was neurotic. I got depressed. I was, I, I would obsess on the script. I would work really hard on it. And I, and if I didn't get it, it would tear me down to the point where I would drink and use drugs. I mean, I did not handle it that lifestyle well. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates, and I'm talking about the Air Doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the Air Doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, 
I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. What's the moment that happens where you say, fuck this traditional thing. I'm going to put up my first video on social media. Well, I started seeing these creators booking roles of, and I was like, they don't have any credits. And they're booking this role because, wait, what? Because they have 500,000 followers? You mean NBC hired this actor who's never done a fucking sitcom because he has 500,000 followers? What? And I was pissed. And then I went from pissed to like, all right, I got to get me some followers. Because <laughs> if I can get a lot of followers, if I can build a fan base on social media, then I'm, people are going to, you know, they're, all the networks are going to want me. All right. So you say that to yourself. Yes. What year is that? Um, so this would be, um, 2015. Got it. So about three, four years ago. So you say that to yourself. So, so here, yes. So I had just left an audition for a pilot and then I had found out they offered the role to Brooklyn Decker. I thought she's not even funny. Okay. Well, maybe she is. I was just hating. All right. She's gorgeous. I'm sure she's funny. But at the time I was like, what? She's not even funny. <laughs> Why did she get the role? Because she's Brooklyn Decker. Um, so I remember I was so pissed off. And then I remember I'm driving and I'm just angry that I didn't get this role. I really wanted this role. I, I really would have killed that role. Fucking Brooklyn Decker. And so I, I remember I did this Capital One commercial. And, with this, and I played a runway model. And there was this girl, gorgeous black girl um, named Portia. Just stunning. And she came up to me. She said, so, Laura, I hear you do comedy. And I said, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't do stand-up, but, yeah, I'm funny, and I've done a lot of sitcoms, whatever. She goes, well, um, I do stand-up, and, and I, I, you know, we should write a web series together about modeling and the you know, li life of a model. It's pretty funny, you know. Their career's over at 22, and they've got no formal education, and... You know, there's a, there's a, everyone wants to see models fall and fail, right? And I thought, yeah, okay, that's not a bad concept. Anyway, but I didn't think anything of it. I thought, I don't even know this girl. Is she funny? Whatever. So I'm super discouraged from not uh, finding out the role was offered to someone else. So I thought, oh, as I'm driving home and I'm pissed, I remember that girl, Portia, from the Capital One commercial, and I pull out my phone and I call her and I say, hey, Portia. She said, yeah. I said, you remember that uh, pilot you wanted to write? or the web series you want to write, I said, come over tomorrow. Let's just write it. Let's just do it. I was just over it. I was over waiting to get cast. I was just sick of it. I had hit a breaking point. Um, I wasn't handling it well. So she came over the next day and we wrote tons and tons and tons. And she said, so I do, I, I have this friend, Russell Simmons, and he has a, a YouTube channel and we should go pitch this show to him. Russell Simmons, for those of you who don't know, is uh, Def Jam Records and created... Deaf Comedy Jam and also Deaf Poetry Jam, among other things. Yes. So we so we go and we pitch the show to him. And um, as we all know, he loves he loves models. And um, he uh, loved the, sh the show idea. And we shot a couple seasons of that. So that was my first taste of like being a content creator, producing, writing. You <laughs> but know. you were doing it for somebody else's company. But I was doing it for someone else's company. But it was this step. It was a step because I wasn't just hired as an actor. I was creating a show. Did they have any input at all? 
they did. And it pissed me off because I really had a specific vision of what I wanted to be. And I think I saw you at that, but when I saw you at that veggie girl, I told you I was really pissed off with the way that it went because it wasn't tonally the way I wanted it. And they weren't giving me creative control. They weren't letting me sit in the editing room. They weren't giving me any sort of say. And I think I might've said to you in some way, do you want to work for the man? Yes. Or do you want to be the fucking man? Yes, you did. And you were like, what are you doing, Laura? You were just like, you were not having that situation. Were you making any money there? You know, less than I would make as a guest star on a sitcom because it's YouTube, you know. Were you getting along with a girl? um, Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we we, we would get along. Uh, Creatively, we, we had some issues and, you know, but for me, what I took from that was I love creating. I love I love to create and I never want to go back to to the other way. Like I said, I have a lot of actor friends who are very happy and content doing that. That wasn't me. It was driving me insane, but I think I needed all those years of it to learn. And I read so many scripts and got so much experience that I'm a better show creator now because of that, all those years. Um, But uh, when I was sitting on the other side of the casting room, I was like, oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. <laughs> like, I never want to be on the other side. of. I mean, I, I do want to be on the other side of the camera, but because I created that role and, you know, um, I just loved it. I loved putting the pieces together and creating worlds. It was just very creatively fulfilling. So that was my first taste. Got it. So now yeah. you say to yourself. I want to create my first video alone, myself, right. no one else, no producers, yes. just me. So what happens and how do you get to that point? And how do you come up with the idea for the first one? Yeah. And how do you come up with the concept in your mind? I'm going to do mm-hmm. one video a day for a year. Yes. So I remember I, I had finished that series. Russell gave me another series, and, but it was not for my channel. So I thought, okay, Laura, you got to build your own. You got to do this. So, okay. So then I, I was so scared because now it's like, I can't hide behind anything. Like if this sucks, it's all on me, you know? Um, oh man, I was just, I remember I was so nervous, but I thought I, I just have to walk through my fear and just take out my phone and just film an idea. So I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shoot a video every single day for an entire year. If I do that, then I'm going to learn the language of the internet. I'm going to learn how to create. I'm going to learn what people want to see. I'm going to see what works. I'm just going to keep throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I'm just going to do this. At the time you're thinking of starting, you got... Mm-hmm five platforms at the time that are working maybe six you have vine twitter instagram facebook and snapchat and And, youtube yeah so that's six yeah so how do you decide how you're going to spread things out if you're just going to go for one the other what's your strategy i think at that point because i was on already on a bigger channel producing content for russell um, I thought YouTube makes sense because I already, people know who I am on YouTube, even though it's not from my own channel, they know me, my name and they know me because people are watching these videos that I'm making for all Deaf digital, this other channel. So I thought YouTube, 
And then I also, yeah, I looked at Vine, but I was uh, six seconds. I don't know. I want longer content. And um, Instagram wasn't doing video at the time. Um, Facebook wasn't really doing video at the time. Um, I didn't have a Snapchat. So YouTube seemed like, or maybe Instagram just started 15 second videos. Um, So, and like even the guy who directed Hungry, the series, the series about the failing models, um, he blew up and that was, uh, King Batch, uh, Andrew Bachelor, and he became one of the big top viners. And I remember I saw him like on the cover of a magazine going, Oh my God, like there's real success in this. But anyway, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do this video a day for a year. Um, cause it's very ex- extreme, but I thought, why not? Um, so I told my agents at the time to stop sending me out. I was done auditioning. I didn't want to get distracted. Lived off savings and Steven, my now husband. Um, and I just was like, I'm fully committing. I'm fully committing to this uh, shift. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Now, had you met your husband-to-be right before you put out your first video? I met him before, yeah. Before, how long before? So I met him um, seven years ago. And so how instrumental was he? And why don't you tell the audience what he does? Yeah, so Stephen Hilton is my husband, and I've dragged him in plenty of my videos online. He never asked for it, but um, (laughs) he's a film composer. So he came out here um, to to Los Angeles to work on an indie film, and Hans Zimmer had heard his music and called him into his office and said, please move to Santa Monica and work for me. You are very innovative. Stephen can't even, uh, he can't read music. He's self-taught. He's just brilliant he started doing electronic music and all that and um he's not like classically trained or anything like that um but he's so unique in what he does but anyway so that's that's him so so he's a natural that's right that's right like you're naturally funny that's right i didn't go to i didn't go to i didn't study you know theater in college i you know I, i didn't learn how to be funny in a class I think you can sing or you can't sing. You're funny or you're not funny. It's just one of those fucking things. I think that. Do you but think it's that you... about music too for him? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. His mom said he was banging on things since he was two and just always heard the beat and felt it. And, you know, the fact that he can't, he, you know, didn't study classical or didn't study music theory, that he just, he, he just hears it and he says it just comes from something beyond him. So sometimes when you meet somebody who is that love of your life, your life changes, not just personally, but things change professionally. Yes. Do you feel like if you hadn't met him at that time that you wouldn't have put out a video? Um, yes, probably not. He was, he was so, um, pushing me, um, in a nice way, um, to, to, uh, post videos. He saw how dark of a depression I would go into because if I, if I was between jobs, how, how dark of a place I would go to the point where I wouldn't even allow sitcoms on in the house. He legit because it would piss me off so I would be so upset that I wasn't on it or like didn't book the sitcom that I auditioned for the day before that it was too painful for me to have sitcoms on in the house. He would like, it's like the same, it's like the way that guys hide porn. He was fucking like in the bathroom watching the big bang theory. I'm like, <laughs> is, do I hear a laugh track in there? Like it was like literally, <laughs> it was that like he was like hiding sitcoms from me because I was in such a sad, dark place. Be oh, Bless his soul. I'm, I feel terrible that I even <laughs> did. But I just didn't like them on in the house. Poor thing. So he was hiding, watching them. But so he could see it. And he was like, Laura, like, you're so funny. You're, you, you know, you, you're perfect to, to make these videos online. You have all these ideas for these little, you know, these characters and the concepts. And it's just so perfect. Just here. He bought me a camera. He just whatever you need just do it just do it and he would push and push and um it was just fear that was holding me back from doing it and so i did it but i walked through the fear and i did it but how did you walk through the fear that day i was in i was so scared about posting my own content not under russell simmons not a sitcom that wasn't mine but my own thing that i wrote that i produced under my name laura clary i was so scared you were going to hate it or even worse you weren't going to care and if that happened then i would have to kill myself i would have to exit this world because i have no other skill set and there is nothing else i'm supposed to do on this earth and if i can't do this then i don't want to be here so I think it was I put that amount of I felt that amount of pressure on myself so I remember one day I was um at the time I think I was like one year sober um um and I remember I was you know it was just right around that time that I made the decision that I was gonna start posting these uh videos and I was so scared and I thought okay either I'm going to uh, shoot a video and post it or I'm gonna go buy a bottle and buy some drugs and and numb out and you know uh go back to 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 that da very dangerous uh lifestyle and I kind of gave myself that that's just where I was at it was like I was either gonna walk through this fear and uh put myself out there and be vulnerable or I was going to self-destruct and so that was it. I just made, I just 
and then I ultimately chose to just walk through the fear and just to shoot rather than kill myself. <laughs> so you start yeah. your own yeah. YouTube channel. You put yes. out your first video. That's right. January 1st. Um, it was conversations with myself. It was like me talking to my inner voice and what that dialogue looked like. And it was a funny sort of banter back and forth between me and myself. And I. <laughs> and so you put it out. That's right. And so. And deleted it the next day. You deleted it the next day. <laughs> yes. Why? Because I, I was my own worst critic. It's not good enough. It's not funny enough. It's not, there's not enough views. But I still posted it. Then I think um, a day later or so, I woke up with another idea. Um, for this character that had her uh, cooking show and at, out of her house and didn't get along with her husband who was filming the cooking show. And so she's trying to like make avocado toast, meanwhile trying not to kill her husband. And uh, it was just an idea that I woke up with. And so I thought, okay, I'll shoot it. So I said, Stephen, will you film me cooking breakfast? I said, if I throw toast at you, just go with it. And he was like, all right, sure. <laughs> 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 and uh and that was it and i i shot that i kept that one up and then i shot another idea okay so you another. keep that one up mm -hmm. and yeah. at the end of the 24 hours how many views does it have oh man i don't know a hundred a hundred and are you depressed that it got a hundred are you happy um it was like the first video i think that i i was laughing at it so i felt okay about it so how many videos do you shoot in how many days before the first one goes viral? Okay. So I also want to say in that year of shooting a video every single day for you, I, I might have missed like one day. But then sometimes I would shoot two videos in a day. So like I was really good about if I missed a day, I would, I would shoot extra. Um, I started realizing that YouTube was saturated. There were so many creators that had been going for so long. Then here you have Instagram, 15 second videos, not a lot of content creators on there. You can get seen. So I remember when I started posting on Instagram, funny videos, they're like, whoa, who's this chick? Started getting more views, started getting more likes, follows, comments. So I kind of went where the love was. And so I leaned away from YouTube and onto Instagram. Six months in to posting daily, um, I got my first viral video. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. 
normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. And here's a preview of the next episode. You can just write a script now and you can shoot it. Like, I can make a movie tomorrow. It's not going to look great, but I can fucking make it and put it online. And if it's good enough, people will see it. People will see it. So it is just the best time in the world to be a creative, to be an artist. And I would say... Um, walk through fear as fast as you can. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money Drop there Fancy call. All the people love you. Cause you're going for life is for the dreamers. They have all to gain. It's never quite over. So it all feels the same. You pick your own poison. Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.